have you ever run in a race, long-distance race? You know, there's a point in a long-distance race when you hit that halfway mark, when you need to get a second wind. And what you're really needing in that time is perseverance. It's essential. And with this pandemic that we're in right now, I mean, we are in... Uh, a marathon race. That's how we need to view this. It's not a sprint. I mean, we don't know how much longer it's going to last. We don't know if we're at the halfway mark or the three-quarter mark. We're not sure. And so we need perseverance. And tonight we're going to be unpacking 2 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul talks about this subject of perseverance and enduring. And uh, we're going to do it panel discussion style. And so I have with me tonight some uh, friends, uh, Jesse and Angela Hernandez. Say hi, you guys. Hello. Hello. And over here we have uh, Pete and Sierra Denham. Hi. Good to be here. And next to me is my beautiful wife, Denise. Say hi, Denise. (laughs) You know, As we unpack this tonight, we're going to be looking at this passage and this idea of perseverance from three angles that Paul talks about, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And so um, we're going to dive in right now, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to have Jesse uh, read the passage for us, and then afterwards I'm going to ask Pete to pray. And then uh, we're just going to dive into this and spend a little bit of time talking about it, breaking it down in a very practical way of what perseverance looks like for us um, as parents, what it looks like for us in our uh, marriages, and what it looks like for us just as a Christ follower. So, Jesse, go ahead and read the passage for us. Second Timothy chapter 2 says, You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules." The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we just thank you for your word that is inspired. Lord, every word inspired by you, Holy Spirit. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you'd come and that you'd speak to us to our hearts and our minds. Help us to understand and discern what it looks like to live in these unprecedented times, Lord, to live with endurance and perseverance. Uh, Holy Spirit, speak to us, and would we be loving channels, Lord, through which you would minister through. We love you, and we just glorify your name, Jesus, tonight. Amen. 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 And I'd like you to draw your attention right now to verse 1, because I think that this is really the, the key verse in this entire passage where Paul says there in verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. That word grace means undeserved favor. Or another definition is it means God's riches at Christ's expense. Or this is the one I love the most, is God's resources at Christ's expense. That basically everything that we need to live this life Everything that we need to make it through this pandemic, 
Everything that we need to, to make it through any trial that the, the world throws at us or that life throws at us is going to come to us through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And you know, Paul the Apostle, he spoke in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 a very important truth about God's grace. And it was at a time when Paul was going through a great difficulty in his life and he prayed that God would take it away. And Jesus came to Paul and said, Paul, I'm not going to take it away, but this is what you're going to discover. You're going to discover that my grace is sufficient for you and that my power is made perfect in your weakness. And that word sufficient that Paul uses there, it means more than enough. And so Jesus was saying, this is what you're going to find, Paul, in your trial is that my grace, my power is more than enough to help you get through it. And so, Denise, why is that such an important concept for us to understand? Well, I think it's because the truth is, is that we cannot do life well or do life in a way that pleases God without the grace of God. I mean, it really is impossible. Um, We try. I know for me, in my flesh, in my human nature, um, I am always trying to prove (laughs) to Rob and others and to myself that I'm strong, I'm capable, I'm independent, I can do this, Um, and you know, I don't like weakness, and <laughs> I'm guessing that none of us here do. We battle with that, and in honesty, we know that we are incredibly weak apart from the power of God's Spirit and His grace in our lives, and personally, I think this pandemic is only magnifying this truth for us, this reality, because we are literally stuck in close proximity with um, our family and those within our home, our spouse, our kids. And we don't have those normal ways to find, um, like to create space. Um, And so um, we're having to deal with one another. And we see each other for who we really are. And uh, there's no escape from that. And it's funny because I was thinking about, and I I don't think our single friends have it any easier (laughs) because they still have to deal with themselves and they can't escape from that either. And so why is it so important that we understand God's grace, that it's enough for everything, more than enough? I would say... um, because we need to understand it because we need to grab a hold of it. Like not just understand it, but like claim it, like grab it, like take hold of it and then believe it and not only believe it, take ownership of it and like walk in it. Like I'm going to take hold of the all-sufficient grace of God in my life for everything I need. And instead of thinking it of it as a handicap in our life, like to embrace it as a gift because God designed us that way. If you think about it, we're saved by grace and we're to live the Christian life through grace. And I just want to read a couple scriptures. Romans 5, 2 says, Jesus gives us access by faith into the grace in which we stand. So be strong in it because it's his power that shows up best in weak people. That's good. And, you know, I think that... um, Prayer is one of the great keys to that because, you know, God is always wanting us to come to this place of being dependent upon him. You know, we so much want to be independent, but it's it's when we come to God in dependency and in desperation. You know, I love in the Gospels where we see that Jesus always responds in a positive way to the desperate heart. 
And so when we come to that place, and it's through prayer of, of being dependent and desperate before him, that that, I think, unlocks. It's the, the key to unlocking us being able to embrace and really experience the grace of God in our lives. You know, as Paul continues here in verse 2, he says this, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. And I think one of the messages that we're hearing over and over again during this pandemic, I mean, you hear it practically every time you put on the television, entertainers are talking about it, people in sports are talking about it, people on the news are talking about it, is how we're all in this together. And it's true, we are. I mean, we're all, the whole world right now is experiencing this to some degree and on some level. But the same thing is true about the Christian life, that we're all in this together. The Christian life is not meant to be a Lone Ranger type of um, you know, thing. And so here we are. We're in isolation, but we're still needing to realize, hey, we're in this together and we need each other. And as we go through this tonight, um, looking at what Paul said, I want us to keep that in mind, just the reality is we even get real practical tonight in talking about um, what this looks like and, and how there's a, a, a cert, there's a great need for us to be able to encourage one another during this time. And I want to come back to this verse at the, at the very end as just kind of wrapping up in some you know, practical application. But as we move on here, in verse 3, Paul says, that we must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And Jesse, you were in the military, right? Correct. Navy? Yeah, Navy. And how, how many years? Uh, 24 years. 24 years, and, and you're out now? Yes, I am. All right. You going to grow your hair out? I am, <laughs> starting low. <laughs> I'm in desperate need of a haircut right now. So. <laughs> but... um. Paul says here, we, we, we must, and I, and I like that, I think that's interesting that he stresses must. We must endure hardship, and, and, the, and the idea of you know, persevering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And Jesse, can you give us some insight into you know, what that looks like for somebody in the military, what perseverance looks like and enduring hardship looks like? Yeah, there's many ways uh, that the military has to do that. But I'll start with uh, the the very beginning. You know, many go to boot camp, and the first thing that you do on day one is they basically take your clothes from you that you walk in there with, and they give you all uniforms so you all look the same. And then they cut all your hair off, and for the women, they bring it up to their shoulders, and everybody looks the same. And the idea is to remove your identity of who you are because uh, they're about to transform you into being what it's like to be in the service. And, you know, they have uh, anybody who's enlisted has basically said, you know, that I submit to uh, supporting and defending the Constitution of the United States and the the leaders over me. Um, and everybody immediately has a commanding officer and they have orders and you're about to follow them. You don't really have a choice, but that's part of the enlistment. Um, and, and in that place, they then, uh, you know, will put you through trials and testings or what we call uh, drills. And through that process, you you are tested to see what you have learned. And it's interesting in the key verse of verse one, talking about strength, 
um, you know, you need strength, you need mental toughness, and you need physical toughness that they're going to either build into you or they're going to break things out of you in order to give you what you need so that you can press on for that hardship or that trial that you must endure because there's an expectation of what you're about to be called to do when you do leave boot camp. Um, and, you know, the, the more that they test you, um, the more that they continue to do it, we, we at some point break free of the things that you know, I can only go so far. No, tomorrow you're going to go further. And you need that endurance, that perseverance to push through so you can continue to go. And at some point you look back, you're like, wow, I used to be over there. Now I'm over here. I Now I know I can do even more because it's, a, it's that testing, that trial. And, you know, uh, we, you know, the Lord says that we're going to go through trials and, and tribulations and storms in our life. So we must endure these things in order to be ready for that day. And right now, I think for many, that day is here. So here we are enduring to persevere through this. Yeah. And I love how you said that they're looking to take away your identity. Yeah. Because in, in, in a similar way, the Lord does that with us. You know, not so much that he's wanting to take away who we are, but he's wanting us to understand more who we are in him. Because yeah. that's, where our, you know, that's where our strength comes in. And, um, and, and as Paul continues... Um, well, actually, be, before we go there, I wanted to ask you, Angelo. So this idea, let, let's talk about. You have three kids at home, right? Yes. How old are they? I have a 20, we have a 21-year-old daughter um, and two sons, 12 and 13. 12 and 13, okay. And you do homeschool, right? Yes. How long have you been doing that? Um, I'm going on almost nine years. Nine years, okay. So what does perseverance right now look like for you? and your boys who you're doing homeschool with in the midst of this and in the midst of, you know, you got to stay at home. What's that looking like for you guys right now? So right now, um, my, I have a seventh and an eighth grader and I've been homeschooling for quite some time. And, um, I'm really, they're really good right now because they've been trained. They've endured. I've endured with the whole homeschooling. And so, um, right now we're, I'm actually, benefiting from the fruits of what I have already put in to my homeschooling career. Yeah. yeah so but how was it when you first started out? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so good. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I really like uh, Jesse's analogy, how he talked about the, the soldier and uh, the soldier being enlisted. And now he has a new commander. And that was, that's like with us when we become believers, we now have a new commander. And, um, you know, originally, to be honest, when, um, I was first contemplating homeschooling, I did not want to do it. And it was the Lord that was telling me he was my commander. He is my commander. And, um, he was the one telling me to do it. And, um, I did it. Um, and it was hard. And I've always said that homeschooling brings out the best in me, but it also (laughs) brings out the worst in me. And so it was, it's been, there's been tears, there's been, I have went to Jesse, Jesse, let's, let's just send them to regular school. (laughs) This is enough. Um, But I praise the Lord for my husband and his guidance and the fact that I was submissive to him. And I, I, I listened because um, now I look back and I see, I'm seeing the fruit. And just recently we were, Jesse and I were talking and it was like, wow, oh my goodness, like, this has gotten so much easier. Now I see, I look back and I'm like, wow, all those trials that I have gone through, they were for a reason. I didn't understand it then, but I'm seeing it now. And I'm so thankful for that. And I think that's why James says, you know, to rejoice in our trials, 
I think when we first hear that, we're like, are you crazy? Like, what is wrong with you? But then he says this, knowing, knowing that they produce something. You know, they produce patience and they produce character. And I think part of the knowing for us is being able to look back and see, okay, in this time I went through before, this is what God did. And I think there's something in that right now for all of us that, that, you know, God is wanting us. And this is why I think perseverance in this next leg of this, you know, race that we're on is going to be so important is because when we look back at this six months from now, a year from now, there's things that God is going to want us to see that he was able to do, you know, in our lives. Now, Paul continues here, Jesse, in verse 4 and says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now again, give us some application as a soldier. Why is it important for a soldier to not get entangled with the affairs of this life? And then give us some application of, what that looks like for us as believers. But first, just give us that perspective of, of the soldier, why that's so important. Yeah, you know, as it says in here, uh, please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So I have a commander that I need to please because I'm in warfare. And if I'm, you know, out, you know, um, doing whatever my mission is, if, if I'm entangled in the things that are going on back home or, you know, things that are just going to hinder and slow me down in my mission, that, that makes me ineffective for the task that we have to do as a unit. And if, you know, somebody can't rely on me because I'm so worried about what's going on in my world, you know, back home, or if I'm entangled in things of this life that the flesh wants to indulge in, like, like alcoholism or drugs and you know that thing can totally mess up my mindset that I'm not totally 100% on mission to help my brothers and sisters that I'm in arms with to go you know combat against you know this enemy that's ahead of me yeah, so that's what that's you know a, a practical way um, of why that we don't want to be entangled with things I need to be mission focused so as a now as a believer it's the same thing God says I have you on mission you know our our, our mission our, our command is to go out and you know, make disciples of all the nations you know the ethnicities you know around the world and preaching the gospel and the love of Jesus and if I'm entangled in in the the things of this life that my flesh wants to indulge in the same thing drugs alcohol you know anything that just wants to hinder my mind or my heart from from hearing what the Lord's calling me to do it's totally going to be ineffective for me to to minister to somebody who who's right before me that I you know that the, that this is my mission a person that the Lord brought and now I'm so hindered in my own mindset that I'm not even hearing the Lord's voice say preach to this one because I could have brought that person to, to know the love of Jesus, but they could just go on and on about their day, and you know I missed an opportunity. So I don't want to miss that mission opportunity that I'm called to do, or any of us. Yeah, yeah amen. I would also just add that I think one thing that this pandemic is, is revealing in a lot of our lives is how, in, how easily it can be for us to become entangled in the affairs of this life. And I know for me that's been something the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me personally over the past month and a half is, how earthly minded um, I have been at times in my life, how focused on earthly things I have been. Um, and the Lord through this pandemic is, is, I think, revealing to all of us that there is a greater plan unfolding and um, that we need to remember our, our mission. And we need to remember that there's, you know, we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We're a part of something out of this world, so to speak. Yeah. And so when the earth is shaken, like it is right now, it, it's kind of unraveling, I think, a lot of um, 
people's comforts um, that are placed in in this life. And for us as Christians, it's crucial. It's so vital for us to realize that we're just we're pilgrims, and we're passing through. And this is a tent, and it's it kind of sucks to have your tent falling apart a little bit, you know, <laughs> and uh, or there's a leak in the tent. It's kind of what it feels like right now because I think. You know, everyone wants paradise. Everyone would love heaven on earth now. You know, we, you know, we'd all love to be kicking our feet up at the beach, you know, and taking it easy. But, man, the Lord has a greater mission for us. And, and so I think that's one thing that, you know, the pandemic is, is revealing. And then going with that, um, oftentimes if we put off dealing with the things that we're entangled with, like we know it, but we just keep putting it off. It reminds me of this bowl I have in my um, bathroom where I just dump my jewelry all the time. And sadly, um, that, that pile just keeps growing and it has become one tangled mess. And then the reality is like I'll need to be somewhere and I want to you know, grab some jewelry and it's literally so entangled it's overwhelming, and so I just dump it back in the bowl. And I'm like, I need hours to untangle that. I'll just deal with it later. But can't we can do that too, right, in our lives and just put it off and not want to deal with it. And I think we're being challenged in that. And I think, too, if you flip that analogy, it's such a good picture. Like the Lord, if the Lord is reaching out to use one of us, but we're like those necklaces in the bowl and we're all tangled up and he's like trying to, I mean, he, you know, he wants to use us or he has a moment where he wants us to witness or share the love of, of Christ with someone. But we're, you know, we're in that bowl, <laughs> you know, we put ourselves in that bowl and we're tangled and, um, not that he can't do all things and, you know, can just totally untangle the mess cause he can, but you know, um, what a, what a convicting message that is for us to, to even more realize the importance of being, um, untangled and, and giving the Lord um, all of our hearts in, in, in surrender, you know. And I just think that this is like a really special time that God's allowed for us to take the time to ter- tune out the noise of our culture and really dig deep and see um, what the things are that are entangling us. Like, Lord, search me, and giving him the room to do that. I think that we are a busy, addicted um, culture, and we um, are addicted to producing and consuming, and it's kind of been put on hold. And um, I think it's a really special time for the church and for the Lord to do a deeper work, and we need to allow him to do it and to not fill all the the moments of our day where God would give us those moments to be searched and known um, and let him do his his thing. And I just think of like my own life. Um, I am so quick to fill every single moment with media and um, distraction. And I was just thinking like, I don't want to get to the end of this and waste this time. And, um, even with having little kids and being home a lot, um, a lot of times I think I can, I can just waste time, like waste the moments where they're sleeping and I have like 20 minutes where I could really dig deep with the Lord and hear from him. So I just want to encourage our listeners, like, yeah, allow the Lord to do that and maybe turning off the news or limiting it or limiting social media, even to two or three days a week instead of an, a daily thing and to, to see like what God does with that. 
Amen. I think that's awesome. So for the soldier, Paul says that he needs to, first of all, endure hardship. He must. And I like the fact that he mentions hardship because I think that's a good thing for us to you know, remember as Christians that this you know, Christian life, there's hardship involved in it. But then he also gives that analogy of not being entangled. And, and I think you know, he's telling us, you need to focus. You, know, you, you need to be focused in the midst of this. And, and all of that is going to play into our need to be, um, our, our ability to be able to persevere during this time. Um, from there, Paul talks about the athlete. And in verse 5, he says, and, and also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And Pete, you were a college athlete. You played college football. So what does perseverance look like for an athlete? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think for, for in athletics, um, perseverance is, is crucial for the prize. You persevere to to win the prize, and and so you know whatever sport that might be. You know, for me, I played football, so we would persevere. We'd push through difficult moments and um, tough games, and being down um, and in different scenarios, we'd push through all those hardships because we wanted to win the the game. We wanted to win the championship. We wanted the ring. You know, we wanted to. Um, you know, to have our name on the plaque, you know, and be remembered. Um, so we, we persevered for that prize. And I think, too, in athletics, especially if it's a team sport, which I think translates well to the Christian life, because, hey, we're, we're all in this together, right? Um, I think we're realizing, you know, in athletics, um, when you're competing as a team, you know, the decisions you make not only affect you, but they affect the greater good of the entire team. And so you, when you persevere as an individual, not only is it, is it benefiting you, but it's actually benefiting the, the entire team. And I'm, I'm sure I'm, it's similar in the military. You know, one of these things I, I think of is, you know, when we would have our early morning workouts, there was one thing our coaches, our trainers would do that I hated, but I understand the mentality behind it. And, you know, it'd be at the end of the workout and we, they'd want to do like a group um, core exercise exercise. It could be anything. It could be holding planks or could be doing like Russian twists or, or something. And, and they put a timer on the clock. It'd be two or three minutes and you, you know, you're tired. It's early in the morning. You know, you want to give up. You have to persevere. And what they would do is if, if there was one person, just one person that was seen at any moment during that two to three minutes that wasn't engaged in that exercise, they'd start the clock over. And there would be times when it would just keep going. It was miserable. But what it ingrained in us was the importance to persevere because it's not only an individual thing, it's, it's, a, it's a whole. It's a, we're a part of a whole. And so as, as the church, as, as believers, to persevere. I mean, if you're a father, if you're a mother, a husband, a wife, um, a brother, a sister, when you persevere as an individual, it's not only blessing you and benefiting you, but your family uh, your loved ones, your friends, your community. So it has that effect on everyone. That's good. <clears throat> now, Pete and Sarah, you, you two have, you have two kids. How old? Liam, our son, is going to turn three in a few weeks. And Ada just turned one. She's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so you have They're your hands full. Right yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what about this, you know, rule thing here that Paul mentions? I, I personally hate rules. And, um, but, you know, rules are important in the Christian life, right? So why? Why is that, Pete? 
Well, um, I think we all hate rules because we're all sinners. And go read Romans 7 and you'll figure out why. Um, and we all want to be our own God. So, um, and rules are important. And we need to see rules as loving uh, parameters. And um, uh, because God loves us. And, he, and he, know, I mean, he knows what's best. Father knows best. And so he gives us rules because he knows the right trajectory for our lives. And um, I think if you're, if you're, for example, in athletics uh, or sports or in the military, um, if, if there aren't rules, then there's no direction. You know, there's no perp. I mean, like, where are we going? So I think rules are important, and they may not, you know, may not always be the most convenient thing to have to follow the, the rules. Sometimes cheating seems like the the best option or the easiest option, but easiest is not always best. So I just think of our baby. She's one, and she's very fixated on the knobs on our stove right now, and every single time I'm trying to cook or I like just turn it off and I'm trying to serve up dinner or a meal, she goes and turns the knobs and turns the gas on without there being a flame. And she can't see above um, the top of the, the oven. And so I'll have to remove her. It becomes a tantrum. She throws her head back. She's screaming on the floor. And the Lord just reminded me that that, is such a picture of me and that he's the loving father who sets the guidelines. And here I am like not seeing the full picture, um, kicking and screaming sometimes. And, um, I'm so thankful that God is a loving father who doesn't, who's patient with us and who picks us up and grabs us and doesn't, um, allow us really to, sometimes he does, but not not beyond um, anything that would really harm us, harm our souls. And so I'm just so thankful for God's rules. Yeah. And I, Rob hates rules. I love rules. I'm a rule follower. Um, but I think, you know, starting at a young age, trying to teach our kids and then getting our teens to understand um, that following rules, obeying God's command, it's, it's not works. It's, it's relationship. It's based because we love him. If God, the Lord says, if you love me, then obey me. And that has always been a challenge, um, trying to get our kids to understand that it's not, you can't do this because you know, these rules, but the heart behind it Mm. of God, the father trying to protect us and raise us to to obey him and um so just the value of that um that starts young but boy it's it's a challenge into those teen years and then young adult for them no just i want you to capture it yes we're told to be holy like he's holy we should be running toward that persevering toward that prize of that not not because i have to have works but i want to to please god and I, and I think, you know, it's really important for all of us you know, who are parents, all you parents that are listening, especially ones who still have kids in the house, is that when we're talking about God's commandments, his rules, so to speak, that we need to not just tell them what God says, but we need to tell them why, you know, that they do. Like you're saying, they capture the heart, you know, and one day Ada is going to capture the heart. She's too young right now, but she's going to capture the heart going like, now I know why my mom didn't want me to play with that. You no know? propane in the house. <laughs> What's so interesting, too, is Liam being three, he's seen me get burned. And he's uh, seen a burn on my hand. And so now he knows the consequence of the, the action. And you see it click. And so it's really cool. And, you know, in the realm of the context here of, of 
um, the athletes competing according to the rules, we know that when athletes break the rules, they get disqualified. You know, they they lose the uh, you know they lose the game, they lose the competition, unless they're the Houston Astros, um, <laughs> who still got the World Series. Lame. <laughs> Come on. But but you know, um, but there's a truth in that in the Christian life. Yeah. You know that we. Um, we can get disqualified. Paul warns about that, that we don't, we don't want to disqualify ourselves. But so we capture God's heart. You know, in the midst of this, I think, and I think this is a word right now for, you know, some who are watching and listening to this, that there's a temptation for you right now to want to go back. Um, you're isolated, you're feeling lonely, and, and you want to, there's a temptation to go back to some vice, to go back to some addiction, to, to give in to some you know, area of your flesh. And a, the loving heart of your heavenly Father would say to you tonight, don't do that, I love you, you're going to make it through this, and I'm doing something in you. Um, but you could end up getting disqualified, not saying you're, you, know, you would lose your salvation, but disqualified from the work that God's wanting to do in your life by looking for a shortcut right now in the midst of this. And I think that's the key thing as we're talking about perseverance. The athlete, there's no shortcuts. He has to, to compete according to the rules. He has to press through. He has to run through the course in order for God to do, you know, what he's wanting to do in his life. Now, it's also interesting to me that Paul uses this idea here about competing, you know, and competition. I think that's something that sometimes, you know, we, we think of like, okay, how does that work? And, and, and so what, what is it? You know, I'd let any of you to just chime in on this. What is it that we're competing for as Christians? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, uh, we had this same conversation about competition and regarding, you know, why is there a competition? Do we have one? And, and you know, after considering it, yeah, we do have a competition. One, we're, we're competing um, for souls, for, you know, God's kingdom versus the enemy's kingdom. You know, the outcome that's out, you know, besides, you know, in eternity where we're going. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out, well, how, what does that competition look like for us? You know, I don't know if you want to chime in and what that looks like for you, especially as a mom, because I think it's a big deal. Um, yeah, I just want to pass yeah, it. Competition against the enemy, right? He's, uh, he wants to steal our souls. He wants to steal our, our kids' souls. Um, you know, for me, I was just thinking about this driving up here. You know, the fact that the enemy has done a lot of damage in my family as well as generations before me. And one thing that really perseveres me is thinking about that and realizing that, acknowledging that and saying, this is where it's going to stop. And the enemy is not going to win and taking that and running with it. And so that's what we strive for. I strive for when I think about all that the enemy has done. And when he does come and try to do that to my children or even our friends our you know, the body, you know, we see it, we know it. And, um, that's the competition. We are competing against the enemy. I feel to win people back and, and, and to be that example of what, what does that look like to walk the Christian walk? Um, you know, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about this and this whole analogy when he says, and, and do you not know that those who run in a race all run, 
And the Bible says we're all in a race, so we're all running, okay? But only one receives the prize. So he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, he's saying, we need to run to win. And he says, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. And that word temperate means self-controlled or disciplined in all things. Then he says this, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, he says, I run, not, thus not with uncertainty. In other words, I, I don't have a focus. He says, you know, I'm not running without a focus. No, I have a focus. And he says, I fight not as one who beats the air. He's not just swinging at nothing, but he says, you know, there's a target. I've got a, I've got a target. I've got an aim. And he says, so I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so right there, Paul kind of sums all this up for us in the sense that there's a focus, there's a target, there's an aim. I'm running to win. I'm not just running to run, but there's a purpose in my running. And he says, and I don't want, I'm, I do all that because I don't want to be disqualified. And I also think it's interesting here that Paul mentions that we're running for an imperishable crown. And the Bible talks about different crowns. You know, the Bible speaks of, in James chapter 1, verse 12, the crown of life. And that one is for people who are steadfast in trials. And I think that's an awesome one because all of us right now, I mean, the entire world is going through a trial right now. And God's saying, I have a crown for you, the crown of life, if you'll be steadfast, if you'll persevere. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he talks about the crown of righteousness. And that's for those, he says, who fight the good fight, who finish the race, and who love is appearing. And again, I love that one too in the sense that God says, hey, if you're excited about me coming back, you know, that whole idea that you were talking about earlier, that we're eternal focused, you know, we remember we're pilgrims, we remember that, hey, it's not all about this life, um, that there's a crown for you. You know, you're just looking for it. You're running and fighting with that in mind. And then this one, in 1 Peter 5, 4, he, he talks about the crown of glory. And that one's for those who are faithful in service to others. Those who are just seeking to be faithful in blessing and taking care of those who are around them. So Paul gives us this analogy here of, the, of perseverance as a soldier, perseverance as an athlete. And then the third analogy he gives is that of the farmer in verse 6 when he says, The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. And consider what I say, and may the Lord give understanding in all things. And Denise, I want to ask you, what type of perseverance is involved in farming? Not that you were ever a farmer, but you did grow up in Oregon yes. where there's a lot of farms. So. I did, and we, we did have our big vegetable garden and our strawberry field. So um, it was hard work. It was a lot of hard work. It's toiling the soil. You're out there in the sun. You've you're, you got to get dirty you gotta you gotta be disciplined um i when i think of farming i think of rhythms and seasons um that that the farmer leads his life on that those rhythms and patterns um to to bring about a harvest um i think another thing i think about is it's the it's the um watching and the waiting like the farmer has to do his part 
But then he has to step back and just trust that the sun's going to shine and the rain's going to come and the seed's going to grow and he's going to reap a harvest. And um, I think there's so much that applies to us as believers um, in this analogy. Um, and again, there's no shortcuts. Um, so, but we reap what we sow. And that's what I try and remember. And I maybe a word of encouragement to all of us um, because our rhythm isn't normal right now. It's easy to just kind of just want to sit on the couch and, you know, watch, you know, whatever, um, is get up, be disciplined, work hard, perseverance, you know, keeping up a home, that takes perseverance, right? I mean, it never goes away. You clean it, and you turn around, and you got to clean it again, and, and uh, you know, so in all of that, but seriously, Second um, Corinthians chapter 9 says, a farmer who only plants a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And Galatians 6 says, those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Amen. And I think one other thing I would add to that about the farmer that maybe to me is the the biggest aspect that especially relates to perseverance is the farmer plants and then he has to wait. You know, and I hate waiting. You know, I hate traffic. I hate, you know, long lines. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, But we are in this time right now where we're having to wait, you know, but there's a harvest that's going to come out of this um, if we continue to persevere. So we've looked at and we've seen that the soldier perseveres in order to please his commander. The athlete perseveres so that he can get the crown, he can get the prize. The farmer is persevering so he can obtain the harvest. And as Christians, we have a commander. As Christians, we are running for a crown. And as Christians, there's a harvest that God is wanting to bring from our lives, through our lives, but also in our lives. And so perseverance is so radically important for us right now. And as we kind of wrap this up tonight, I want to get really, really practical right now. And I want us to just talk about what this looks like for um, us as parents and um, for us in our marriage relationship. And I want to start with you, Angela. Um, and you know, just thinking about this idea of parenting, you know, the homeschooling that you're doing, you know, the pouring into your kids, um, you know, let's just speak right now to maybe the idea of those who are wrestling, those who are struggling, those who are, you know, just having a difficulty during this time and all this. What would you say to them to encourage them right now? I would tell them to to pray, um, and you know, with your kids, um, you know. Asking your kids maybe what they might be feeling, you know, we don't, you know, every kid is so different. My kids are very different. Um, some may not express their feelings um, about how they're feeling. And I think sometimes as parents, we are so preoccupied, like we were talking about, 
um, and we don't acknowledge that they do too have feelings as well. And um, I, for as a parent, as a mom, you know, something that I'm trying to do more during this time with my my boys and with my daughter because she's she's an adult, you know. And the same thing with her. I mean, she's her plans are crushed right now, you know. And so asking them, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh, you know, and I really feel that this has really brought a, a, a unity within our family, um, you know, of praying together. Can I pray for you? You know, do you need prayer? Or even this morning, it was so cute. My my daughter could tell that I was, I was, you know, nervous and anxious about even coming here. And she stopped and she prayed for me. Like, that's just so beautiful. You know, that whole unity. We all know that we all need prayer. You know, ask. You know, and it's it's very um, foundational for us because we are believers. This is something we've been doing, but not everybody does this, you know. And I just even think of, you know, for Jesse and I as a married couple, the, the fact that, you know, as a married couple, for us to pray together, I mean, that's something we've been doing and we still continue do, but to do, but not everybody prays as a married couple, you know, and I think that's huge. I mean, I remember the first time we had went to a, a marriage retreat and uh, the pastor said, a couple that prays together stays together. And he said, okay, now turn to each other and pray with each other. And I remember looking at Jesse, this is weird. <laughs> okay, you know, but that's something that we've been doing. And I really feel that that's what's kept us just united and together. And it's been amazing just to see, you know, even in this pandemic and, you know, the things that we're going through, we're still solid. And I really take it to that. Yeah. That's great. Um, You know, I I thought it's interesting that you mentioned about your kids realizing your kids are different. And so I just would want you to speak for a moment about, you know, what that looks like as far as your schooling them and, and the two of you training them in the, because they are different, do, do you have to approach it differently? Yes, <laughs> that's that's something that's taken a very very long time for me to even acknowledge and realize how different they are um, in approaching them and being okay and, and asking. This is where you you know asking the Lord. I mean, I need your help to help me understand this and to get through this. How do I talk to my son? How do I work through this? You know, with with homeschool, it's been really interesting to to just realize the differences that they they have and appreciating it. You know, and and. Creating that that parent teacher relationship is so hard. It's very hard, and more it's harder with others than you know. My older son, he was really easy. My younger son, he's been so hard. Um, But I I feel too for me in in uh, being their teacher and also being their parent um, for me to to set that tone. You know, they know when I'm anxious. They know when I'm you know not having a good day. And so when I set that tone of you know, love, peace in the home when we're homeschooling has been huge. And then having Jesse also coming alongside me. I'm just not the teacher. I mean, he's also the, the helper, and he comes and helps when I need him. They know that I, when I tell them, would you like your father to help you? <laughs> they know dad's going to come in, and they, you know, get right to what they need to do. They're trying to, you know, yeah. So that's it, how they're so different. <laughs> I bring fear in their life. No. <laughs> No, um, you know, it's interesting you said the dynamics of them is, you know, they're both less than a year old around there. And 
Um, my older son, he's a, he's a team player. He likes baseball, loves it. Uh, my other son doesn't like to play with teams. He likes individual sports because he feels if we lose, it's your fault. And he doesn't like that. So, so again, the dynamics of knowing how different they are, but they're raised in the same household. And that's just the way that God has created them. And, and I realized that my older son is also a rule follower, but my other one is a, re- a rebel. But me knowing, I, I, I'm, I, I like that about him because I see a leader in him. His individualism tells him, I don't need to follow others. I know that I have a path to go, and if people want to follow me. So I, I encourage that within him and, and not use it as something against him. Like, I'm going to beat that out of you. Like, I'm not going to beat anything out of you. I'm just going to encourage you in the way that you should go as God calls us to. So just nurturing that and helping him to see and cultivating the good that's in that and not the bad things that come with it. So. Yeah, and I think too, you know, with with homeschool, it's it's been my boot camp. It's really showed me a lot about myself, um, and that I'm not happy to to admit. Um, but that boot camp, and it's been very very difficult for me in in a lot of things. Well, thank you. Thanks for those insights, and thank you for your honesty. Because uh, <laughs> I think we all get put in something like that that reveals, you know, those things in us that we realize God's going. This is what I want to mold and shape. And what about for you, Sierra? You're you, you have two very little young kids, and how are you coping right now? And what would be any suggestions that you might have for some other young moms out there right now? Yeah, well, for me, um, last year started very similarly to this year. Um, I had Ada in February, and we had some trouble getting her um, nursing properly, so I had to be pretty much home in order to feed her. And then that took about three months, and then Liam was 20 months when she was born, so he wasn't talking yet. And it was just a really hard season last year, and it's really interesting that this year started out very similar homebound. And, um, I look back on last year and I just see like a season of desperation and a season of like feeling like my whole entire world was just shaken. And, um, I'm so thankful for that time. And I'm so thankful for what God did in that time. And I think a lot of people are in, that place now. And, um, it's really cool because I've been able to look back and see how God met me. And he gave me that word of seasons and that this is going to be a season and that he wants to use it. And we were at women's men. I was at women's ministry. Um, I'm trying to remember the timing. It's all a blur that last year, but I, Debbie Bryson gave a word that God's looking for a garden. He's not looking for a lawn and that the soil of my life is going to be broken up, um, in order for there to be fruit and a garden. And, um, he's not just looking for just a flat pasture. He's looking for fruit. And so, um, the Lord really instilled in me rhythms, things that I could come back to over this past year. And so, a few of those are one community, finding two or three friends that I can talk to and check in with daily, trying to do it daily. Sometimes that's not possible with littles. Um, um, sleeping, like taking hold of rest and just recognizing that sometimes like the best thing I can do, my worship to the Lord, is to sleep. 
and to really go to bed at eight rest, o'clock. to go to bed at eight. Last night I went to bed at eight because I was just so depleted. Like, and I knew like, I can't fulfill my call unless I'm rested. And so, um, I think that we don't press into that <laughs> enough. And so that's, was really important to establish last year. Um, another one is hearing from the Lord and allowing time to really hear from him. And, taking the little moments in my day to do that and turning off the noise has been really helpful. Um, The last has just been inviting our kids into our spirituality and letting them disrupt and interrupt and viewing that as parenting opportunities has been a huge challenge for me. Um, that it's actually an intervention of the Lord that they're interrupting and that I need to take hold of that and allow God to use me in those moments to teach them about the Lord. So those are kind of some of the things that the Lord has taught me throughout this year, but I'm so excited that this is like round two of boot camp, drill number two. Okay, Lord, like we all have this? our boot camp. Yeah, Lord, you're doing this again. What do you want to teach me now? So. Yeah, it's really good. I would also, one one phrase that we've been kind of preaching to each other over the past couple of weeks during this pandemic, it comes it comes from Paul David Tripp's book on parenting, but um, it's to view interruptions as divine interventions. And so that's kind of what we're trying to embrace right now with little kids is to view the interruptions that are sometimes annoying as, you know, maybe God wanting to speak to us. And, you know, we've been trying to invite our, our little kids, you know, they're one and two, two, almost three years old, you know, but trying to invite them into, okay, well, right now we're going to have quiet time with Jesus. So, like, we wake up, now we're going to have quiet time with Jesus. It was so cute today, this morning, you know, we woke up, I was reading, and and uh, it was after breakfast, and um, they kind of ran out, and I didn't hear them, and I was like, where are they? And I got up, and they were sitting on the couch with their little, no joke, like, sitting on their couch with their little books, like, spending quiet time with Jesus. Um and so it's cool to see, like, how, you know, being faithful in that way. It's um, not like that every day, though. Like <laughs> Here I am presenting our best self, our no, best no, day. No, 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 It was the best day in a long time. No. Um, but I just want to encourage any dads, you know, any, any moms, like, with your, with your children, you know, pick up the Word of God, open it, and read it to them. Like, sit down and say, this is the Word of God. This is God's Word. This is Him speaking to us. And don't, if they're young, don't overlook that they, under, they can understand you. Even though they might be nonverbal, they may not be able to respond and say, you know, I understand or give you a perfect gospel presentation. <laughs> they can, they can listen to the Word of God and be washed by the Word of God, too. And so that's something I'm trying to step into as a, as a dad. One resource we really love is the um, Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. It's our favorite. I cry every time. I, yeah. The way that she words things is just really, do you guys have it? It's just, oh, it's just so good. Um, The way she describes the Father's heart, even towards Jesus, is just like nothing I've ever read, and I love it. And um, another thing we do is we I've been putting on the daily audio Bible for kids while they eat their breakfast and they just, it just like calms our whole morning. I love it. Um, yeah. I love that. So it's the, what was the book by Sally Lloyd-Jones? Um, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Jesus Storybook Bible. That's great. Um, well, thank you. That's some great insight, you guys. And what about um, marriage? Uh, you know, Denise, I know, um, 
and maybe this has been the way for, for some of you that are watching. I know the first three weeks of this, you talk about rhythms. I mean, my whole rhythm got just jacked, you know, it got worked because, um, and I think, you know, the first three weeks of this whole thing, we're working, you know, harder than ever and learning how to be an online church and, you know, all of that stuff. I mean, it was just crazy. And, and sometimes, um, you know, you find yourself being on edge. And, uh, you know, I found myself, um, you know, we're still coming to the church here a lot and, and uh, just a lot of things to do. And I just found myself, you know, being spent and being, you know, aggravated. And, and, and then, you know, I come home and I've got, you know, our adult daughters living with us, our two-year-old grandson who I love to death, um, my dog who is amazing, my beautiful wife. But it was like they're just all on top of each other, you know. Um, so Denise, give us some insight for yeah. you know marriages right now that yeah. are probably feeling some of this stress. Yeah, I mean, right away I would think just be quick to forgive, and we've got lots of opportunity for to to do that because we're around you know each other more. So be quick to forgive. I think put down devices. Um, Rob and I have discovered, um, wow, like we used to sit together on the couch and hold hands and watch a movie together. And now we each have our own devices and we're, he's playing his golf game and I'm doing whatever, um, you know, and I told him the other day, like, I miss you. Like, you know, you can be in the same house and not be together. It's because Hallmark is boring. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Hey, hey. So put down the devices sometimes when you're together and actually be together. Um, another thing, just enter into each other's world. Like be, be, have empathy. Like ask how they're doing. Pray for one another. Like Angela was saying, um, care about the changes in all of our lives. We're all affected. It's not just the the women at home with the kid. The husbands are impacted a lot even if they're still having to go out and go to work um all that's different um and then really uh practical one is we take car rides and walks um but enjoy them together don't like i yeah probably don't have time for my little story but he did try and well he did take me out for car ride a a couple weeks ago when i'd been stuck at home sick and he was trying to bless me and we drove you know across the you know by the coast and it was just amazing until he decided we should get out of the car and take a walk along you know the sidewalk um, of the coast well i am the rule follower so in my head i'm just thinking we shouldn't be doing this we should be at home and you know i'm just completely stressed out and it was not good, and, and I ruined the walk. So we turned around and came home. So don't ruin the walk by being the rule follower, but enjoy just whatever you can do. Be creative to get out of that little space. Go out in your backyard, um, whatever, and um, have some time together. So Now, I will say, there was a policeman standing or parked right there. I know, and I was and there was, we were going to get there ticketed. were all these other people walking, so it was like, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. I was wrong, <laughs> so that's, that's my point. Don't ruin a good thing. Enjoy one another. Amen. Amen. Um, you missed that I, I put down my device to, when you... Oh, <laughs> you missed that Good job, moment. Rob. <laughs> Um, okay, let's finish up by going back to verse 2 real quick and do some practical application on this. So he says, 
And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men also, and women, who will be able to teach others also. And, you know, I think this is a crucial time for us to be doing that and to be looking for ways to encourage one another. And um, Jesse has done a phenomenal job here at the church in just getting us all associated with um, something called Zoom and our home group leaders and uh, involved in that. So, Jesse, give us kind of a, a, just an idea of what that is and what that looks like and how it's being used right now. Yeah, so we've been uh, uh, leading and hosting Home Fellowship for over eight years now, and, um, you know, this past season, we, we have been doing Fridays every other Friday. And as soon as the, the order came down, you know, no gatherings over 10, we were like, well, our household's half of that. So, okay, we're going to have to go online uh, somehow, some way. And I, I remember posing the question, and you mentioned, well, check out Zoom. So I just did all my research, and I was like, this is where we're going. Uh, so we, you know, our, our home group met that first Friday on Zoom, and it was a big production that we put together and had lights and everything. Um, but it, it went very well, and a lot of people saw it on our Facebook and said, hey, we want in. So uh, we just we shifted it to go every week. So we've been doing it every week since then, uh, uh, except for last Friday because it was obviously a good Friday. We all wanted to be, you know, make sure we're paying attention to the service that we were hosting here. Um, but uh, it's just been great. So in that place, you know, the Lord has just been giving me all these innovative things of, like, how to stay connected virtually in, in all kinds of fashion in ways. And um, so in that place, I started reaching out to all the home groups that, you know, I knew were meeting in their homes and some weren't able to do it because of just, you know, their work schedule that they're still doing or, you know, their houses are full. So um, through that emerged new home group leaders who said, I'm willing to do this. So we now have home groups going every, you know, every day of the week, pretty much except Wednesday and Saturday, uh, which that'll probably change. And, you know, on some days on Fridays when we meet, there's also another home group that's also meeting on Fridays. And, you know, the more the merrier. I just, let's get connected as best we can. So, you know, the women's ministry, you're picking it. Uh, men's, we now have two men's groups that are also meeting. So it's still growing and, and uh, it's, you know, we're we're touching more than just our body. We now have people that are uh, wanting to come from. You know, I got family members from Moreno Valley that I haven't connected with a long time. They're they're joining in on our on our thing. So it's just growing in leaps and bounds. And we're no longer uh, ministering to Calvary Chapel Vista. We're reaching to the world in very various ways. So yeah, it's been That's awesome. awesome. Praise the Lord for Zoom. Yeah. Zoom that's, in. That's Zoom, not Zumba. Okay, but uh, Zumba yeah, that too. Get some exercise. But a- Angela, how are you staying connected and encouraging ladies through Zoom? <laughs> yeah, it's been great. So I um, was doing a Bible study um, in Escondido, and they went to Zoom. So we're doing Zoom, and then I have another. I have a friend who's doing a a prayer meeting every Monday morning at 6, which we've been doing. It's been awesome. And then um, next week I'll be beginning um, a study for women. And it's really been cool because I I posted something on my Facebook page and I had people from Uganda (laughs) reply. And these women, they're hungry for the word and to be connected and in fellowship. So I'm really excited. It's like Jesse said, it's expanding beyond even our country. Very, very cool. And Denise, you're, you're doing some uh, things with some ladies on version, right? Yeah, there's a version Bible app that's pretty amazing. And um, yeah, I picked a two-week plan leading up to Easter and just invited all the women at Calvary Vista. And we had over 50 women 
um, going through that plan. And I think what I loved most about that, you know, you have, it's, it's short, and you have a little devotion, and then you read the scripture. But then you, when you want to, you, they have questions, and you reply on there, and then we can all um, read each other's responses. And it's a great way to get to know the girls. So we're, that, and I'm hoping some gals on their own to do it now and invite some friends for that. We also have a face group um, prayer prayer group on our Facebook page that's been amazing, and um, what I love about that is we made it a group, so it is private, it's just the Calvary Vista women for that, so that that platform, we can be just a little more um, private in there, Uh, so that's been great, and then the exciting news, um, along with Angela's study, I've got, I think, four other girls get lead going to lead um, online studies, and then we're partnering with uh, the Women's Ministry at Reliance Church, and we're going to start the Book of Philippians next week, and so it's pretty awesome that what the things we can still do. Yeah, it is, and uh, Pastor Steve, he's doing a Sunday night men's group through Zoom, and they're not doing Zumba, but they're doing Zoom Bible study together, and uh, Sierra, now prior to all this, you were doing a Mommy and Me's group with some gals. Yeah. Are you still doing that, or how are you staying connected We've with your... We've kind of come under the Calvary Vista women, and it's been really sweet to be able to engage in that way. You guys are doing such a good job. Um, we have a group me. It's like an online, it's like a messaging app so that we're not, if you're, if you guys have ever been a part of a group text, that's too big. It's the worst. (laughs) So we have a group me, um, that is a special app. So you don't get notifications all day long, um, where we have like messaging on there. And that's really mainly just for the Calvary Vista, like mom, mommies. And then we have a Facebook group as well. That's also private. So you can find me on Facebook and friend me. There are a few administrators on the account, and we um, sift through people. Like We want you to attend Calvary Vista and be involved with these moms, and that's private for security reasons and custody reasons and things like that, just because we plan meetups. Hopefully, when this is all done, we can meet up again. But um, those are kind of the ways that we connect and... Zoom isn't really a possibility for us cause just because we have little kids, too much noise. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, though. And then, Pete, you and Sierra have been doing um, or hosting a few Saturday night worship night and mm-hmm. prayer nights. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Yeah, so through, our, through Calvary Vista's Facebook, you can join us on Saturday nights. We're calling them Saturday Night Live from the Denim House at uh, 8 p.m. And um, we just take a, you know, a good chunk of time, an hour or so, to just worship together. And um, there's just live prayer. So you can comment prayer needs or prayer requests um, on the Facebook Live itself. And then we'll just pause and pray for you. And then we'll all agree together um, that the Lord would meet you exactly where you're at. And so it's been, fu- it's been powerful. Um, you know, we've had good, good attendance, good numbers. I think some, the first week we had like 800 people tune in throughout the hour and 15 minutes. And then last week we had a a thousand. So it's cool. Um, and, uh, so join us this, this Saturday night through Facebook, it's through Facebook. Yeah. So turn on notifications for Facebook. And if you like Calvary Vista's Facebook page, um, what will happen is you'll actually just get a notification right on your home screen and you just click it and you'll be live with us. And they can send in things to be prayed for, and you guys stop and pray for them, right? absolutely. Yeah, we've had people um, with the coronavirus comment, and we prayed for them, you know, and and then they're back the next week, so they're alive, and it's awesome. So, so you know, the power of prayer. That's awesome. 
So remember, we're all in this together, and uh, we want to be encouraging one another. This is a time where, um, for us at least, as a, a church ministry team, we have felt like it's not a time for us to do less. It's a time for us to do more, that we have plenty of opportunity, and we want to take every advantage of that to encourage you in your walks with the Lord, to encourage you to persevere, and uh, we want to encourage you to be looking for ways to be encouraging others. And I want to just end tonight by reading this passage from Hebrews um, chapter 12, where Paul says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So there's that entanglement. He says, lay that aside. And then he says this, and let us run with endurance, perseverance, the race that is set before us. But here's the key. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so here's what I want to leave you with tonight. You can finish this race. You can be a winner because Jesus has already ran the race for you. And he wants to strengthen you with his grace to help you endure and persevere through this pandemic and whatever life throws at you after this. And he's wanting to do a work in you during this time. So don't be fixing your eyes horizontally on everything going on. Don't be fixing your eyes inwardly on yourself, but you run looking unto Jesus and allow him to just come alongside you and pour his grace upon you in Jesus' name.